Welcome, and this is Explain It for uh, the first Sunday in Advent. And so uh, we'll be looking at uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21, uh, verses 1 through 9. It is the account of the triumphal entry. The word Advent uh, is from a Latin word, and it just simply means uh, to come. And we're going to find out that there are really three Advents that we will uh, celebrate and really pay attention to during this uh, first season of the church year. So there's uh, three Advents or three, uh, you could say, three comings. The first Advent is uh, one that is already fulfilled. And so we remember uh, the coming of uh, the Lord Jesus into the flesh. So the, the Word of God uh, takes on human flesh and dwells among us. And so we do remember that and rejoice in it. Uh, the second advent is uh, one of promise, which means that uh, the same Lord Jesus that ascended into the clouds will one day reappear uh, in the clouds. And uh, so we are then to repent and watch and to be ready for that, that second advent. But there's a third advent uh, as well. And this is, um, this is really an ongoing advent. Well, an ongoing coming when the Lord Jesus Christ has promised to be among uh, his people, uh, to hear his voice in the scriptures and to be present with us, especially in uh, worship where he gives to us his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. And where he says, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. And he continually gives to us his his gifts. And so he comes to us uh, continually. And we uh, the key words you could say there would be to receive him. And uh, it's an ongoing reception of all of the gifts that Jesus has to give to us. So these three advents, uh, these three comings, you could say, um, you know, this way, that Jesus the Christ, or you could say the Messiah, has come. And that Jesus the Christ has promised that one day he will reappear or he will come. Uh, and that Jesus the Christ is coming to us. And as he comes, he brings us uh, all of his gifts, chief among them being the forgiveness of sins. So the words really for um, the Christian as we start this new year, uh, you could uh, say it in three ways, a call to repent. Uh, to turn away from our sin, to acknowledge that we have sinned against God and against the neighbor, uh, to receive the forgiveness of sins uh, in in worship, uh, in the word and sacrament, uh, and that's an ongoing uh, receiving. And then we receive that to rejoice. Um, and then we just repeat that, repeat that, repeat that, until one day the Lord Jesus will reappear and he will make all things new. So the Old Testament reading is uh, from Zechariah chapter 9, and it uh, speaks of uh, this entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, but it is a prophecy. And Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so this is a, a, a prophecy. It's, it's spoken. It's, it's foretold. And in the account, the reading of the gospel, uh, you will hear it directly related that says all these things took place to fulfill 
what was spoken through the prophet Zechariah. And so there is this uh, idea of rejoicing greatly. Why? See, see your king is going to be coming to you. And so uh, there's this idea of watching and, and waiting and being ready. And this is what the the epistle speaks of in Romans chapter 13. It says, uh, Paul saying these words, he says, do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we, than when we first believed. Isn't that, isn't that comforting that we are one day closer, one hour closer to the Lord reappearing? And the call then is to watch and to to be ready to to see to look uh, to always be um, looking uh, for the Lord's reappearance. Uh, verse twelve, Paul says, "The night, well, it's nearly over, and the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light." And so we are to keep watch, uh, to be ready for the second advent, the, the promised reappearing of the Lord Jesus, where, where he will come again, as the creed says, to judge the living and the dead and to uh, set up his, uh, his kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth, and then he will make all things new. So uh, Zechariah says, see, uh, your king comes to you. So imagine, um, you know, those who are on the road on Palm Sunday, uh, seeing Jesus come in on a colt, the foal of a donkey, the crowds shouting, Hosanna. And the prophet is speaking and saying, see, your king comes to you. This is the Psalm, Psalm uh, 24. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And then the question in the psalm is, well, who is this king of glory? And the answer, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So this is a a victorious king. And uh, we're going to learn, however, that this king doesn't fight with with swords and with physical uh, weapons. But rather, he has come to defeat uh, other enemies, spiritual enemies, sin, death, and the power of the devil. And he is strong and he is mighty, uh, just as a a king would have come into Jerusalem in the days of uh, the people of Israel. So also, this is a king, but uh, the king, the son of David, the one who is strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. But what kind of king is this? Well, Julius Caesar in 47 BC, it was uh, said that he wrote a a note to the Senate after a swift victory. And uh, his words were, I came, I saw, and I conquered. Well, uh, what type of king is uh, this king that comes riding into Jerusalem uh, on a colt, the foal of a donkey? Well, uh, if you remember your catechism, uh, the little discussion about the kingdom of God, there's really uh, three types of kingdom, kingdoms. Uh, there's a kingdom of power, there's a kingdom of grace, and there's a kingdom of glory. So the kingdom of, of power, you could describe it this way, that it is all authority over all things in all places all of the time. So this is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, his kingdom of power. 
In Matthew 28, he says to his disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So this kingdom of power is where Jesus has all authority over the the whole world, over all things, uh, in all places, at, uh, at all times. Now, the kingdom of grace uh, is different. The kingdom of grace uh, deals with the rule and reign of Jesus, the Messiah, over sin and over death and over the devil. And through the gospel, through the sword of the spirit, he fights and he is mighty in battle. Uh, This is uh, what uh, you hear in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus speaks to uh, Peter and the disciples and says uh, to them, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven and the gates of hell and Hades will not prevail against it. So this is a a different type of of kingdom, you know, one that we think of not with power and physicality, but rather the kingdom of grace. And the chief weapon is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. And the chief message is the forgiveness of sins in in Jesus Christ for the sins of the world. And that forgiveness, that paid uh, debt by Christ, our brother, uh, it, it defeats sin and it defeats death and it defeats the devil. So we're living in those two kingdoms. God's kingdom of power, where Jesus rules and reigns, reigns, and his kingdom of grace, where in the church we receive that forgiveness of, of sins, and he, and he rules over our spiritual enemies. Now, this third one, this kingdom of glory, is something that we're still, still waiting for. And this is, as, um, as you could hear in Handel's Messiah, and he shall reign for how long? Forever and ever and ever you know, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is uh, the kingdom which is described in Revelations, uh, where it's uh, Revelation chapter 21, where it says there's going to be no more, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more uh, suffering, no more tears, because that is the time where Christ has come and he has established the new heaven and the new earth. And he's making Uh, all things new. So kingdom of power, kingdom of grace, uh, we're living in those, and we're awaiting the kingdom of glory. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're really not praying, oh oh God, establish your kingdom of power, because the Lord Jesus uh, rules and reigns over over all. That has already been established. But what we are praying in the petition, thy kingdom come, is that his kingdom of grace would come. It's, it's really, you could think of it, uh, a missions prayer, that the gospel would go, go forward, that the sword of the Spirit would fight on behalf of those who are still held captive by the enemy, and that they would be uh, brought into the kingdom of, uh, of grace, that they would be given faith, that they would believe that the forgiveness of sins is for them. Um, but also praying that the kingdom of glory would come too. And so if you remember uh, the catechism, Luther's meaning to it, he says, well, we pray in this petition you know, that God uh, would give to us uh, his Holy Spirit, that we may lead a godly life here in time and hereafter in eternity. 
So, C, your king comes to you. So what type of king is this? Is this like, uh, I came, I saw, I conquered? Well, Zechariah describes it this way, righteous and having salvation. Well, this is the Old Testament lesson for today, Jeremiah 23, where it says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. And in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. The Lord, you could say, who is our righteousness. So, you know, these are some kind of church words, right? Righteous and righteousness. You don't necessarily hear them um, in everyday language, but they apply uh, to us in beautiful ways. So in Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul uh, begins and says, well, there is no one righteous, not even one. So none of us can stand before God in a right way. No one can say, well, We've done these good things, so we've merited a relationship, or we've reconciled ourselves to God, or, or we're, you could say, we're righteous in God's sight. There's no one righteous, according to the scriptures. But the good news is that we have this king who comes righteous and having salvation. Romans 3, Paul says, But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known. So this righteousness, this uh, being made right with God, this being reconciled to God, again, is not something that we do, but rather it's something that's given to us by the King. So our brother, the Lord Jesus, comes uh, in the first advent. The Word becomes flesh, makes His dwelling among us. He lives this perfect life, a, a righteous life among His creation. And then he dies an innocent death. Um, not He hasn't, hasn't done anything to deserve death, but because our sins are placed upon him, he experiences then the wage of sin. So this one who knew no sin becomes sin for us. So that then we might be given, we might become the righteousness of God. And so we have a king who's who's righteous and having salvation. We're going to find out that this king is going to stand before another ruler, Pilate, and there's going to be a discussion discussion about, oh, so what type of king are you? Are you one who comes with swords to establish an earthly kingdom? Or do you fight a different way? And we're going to find that Jesus, who comes into Jerusalem, who comes into this world, um, is righteous a king who is righteous and having salvation. And because he possesses that, he gives those gifts to us. In the Nicene Creed, we, uh, we confess that within the time of worship, and it really uh, describes beautifully the person and the work of Jesus. So the Creed says, And we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. And then it speaks of the first advent, who for us men 
and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. So there's the ruler that Jesus is going to stand in front of. Uh, and he suffered and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And so he has this, this kingdom, this rule and reign over all the, the enemies, the spiritual enemies, but also rules over the whole world. Um, and he will come again. So here, here is the promised advent, which is yet to come, the kingdom of glory. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom then will have, have no end. So how does he come? Well, uh, Zechariah says, gentle and riding on a donkey. So when Jesus stands before Pilate, on that Good Friday, Pilate asks him some questions. And Pilate says, um, so are you uh, the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, well, is that your own idea? Or did others really talk to you about me? And Pilate says, well, am I a Jew? It was your people and your chief priest who handed you over to me. So what is it that you have, have done? And Pilate will come to the conclusion that Jesus is a righteous one. He wipes his hand and says, I find no guilt in this, this man. But Jesus responds, he says, well, my kingdom is not of this world. Uh, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. So uh, we begin the church here by speaking about a different type of kingdom. Right, a kingdom not of earthly um, things, power and prestige and uh, spiritual. Um, we, rather, we talk about it in spiritual ways, where he does wear a crown, but and he does rule on a throne, but in such ways that it is against the spiritual enemies uh, that we fight. So, um, back to Pilate. Pilate then says, "Well, you are a king, then." And Jesus answered, well, you're right. You're right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So Jesus is a king. So we're called to behold or to see, to look, be ready for it. Your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. So these three advents, you could really take um, the words of Caesar and uh, apply them to Jesus. Well, he has come, uh, he has seen, he has conquered. So all that took place when our brother, the word of God who was uh, made flesh, as the creed says, who for us men on our and for our salvation came down from heaven, he did come and he did see the enemies and he did conquer them. And you can say that that all took place in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now it says, well, he's not going to leave his church because as he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them. And then at the very end, he says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. 
So he's not left us. Though we might not see him uh, visibly, you know, with our eyes, yet through faith we understand that he is among us. His word is still spoken. He still is giving to us his gifts. He is the one who right now comes to us. And he still sees what's going on in our world. He hasn't abandoned us or forsaken us. And he still conquers. He gives to us all good gifts to, to defeat sin and death and the devil. And we live in the, the now and the not yet, right? The promise that, yes, Christ is among us, but we are waiting and we're praying for that kingdom of glory to come, where one day, you know, we will hold on to the promise that Jesus will come and that we will see him and he will see us. He will make all things new and he will conquer all things. And so we hold on to these, these three advents, these, these three comings. Jesus Christ has come, Jesus Christ is coming, and Jesus the Christ one day will come.